I just want to thank uh, our technical crew. If you're out there in live stream land and things are a little louder or not loud enough or whatever, they are working on it. They've been working on this for a couple of weeks. So be patient with us. Let us know if you can what's going on out there. But just wanted to say that uh, we are working on it. And hopefully before long, what you hear on the other end will be good. As good as what we're hearing in here. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many are glad they're at church? I see a, a few, amen, I see a few faces that I don't recognize. I'm Norm Oberlin, the lead pastor here at The Hope, and uh, that was my beautiful wife that just took the offering. We are joined at the hip. I love that woman. We're, we're almost at 44 years. Yep. I know, I only look like I'm 68. I'm actually... <laughs> I'm going to be 62 this summer. See, I don't care. Women usually don't care to tell or divulge their age, but men, they're like, eh, it's just a number, right? Unless it's your bank account, that's not just a number, but <laughs> you got to live on that one, but anyway. Um, so today is Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. How fitting that we come back. March, March, May 31st, that seems like March, May 31st to have church, all right? And today is the day, I believe, that, that God is just going to do the supernatural in his people. Uh, I hope that this message, and Pastor Barb talked a little bit about some of the things that I'm heading toward today, uh, and, and the big one is, you know, when we come together, when we're in unity, God is there, all right? He will erupt if you and I, if we prepare our hearts. See, it's not just about getting in the car Sunday morning, doing something with your hair. Those of you who have stylists, hey, this is, this is weeks of hair, all right? <laughs> I tried. I tried to do something with it today. It didn't work. You guys, be thankful you're at home on the live stream because you don't have to do anything and nobody's going to complain about it. But where I was going with this is this. You need to prepare before you get here and not this or this, but this. Because when you're ready, and if we all come in here ready, guess what happens? God erupts. But he's looking for, hear this, he's looking for a people who want a relationship, a relationship with him that is so strong, so pure, so genuine. Will he find that at the hope? Listen, if you're home today, will he find that in your living room? Are you ready for what he has for you? Because throughout the Old Testament and into the New, the people had to prepare for God to come. He didn't just show up unless it was with an individual who he was trying to call, like Abraham or Moses. But when he spoke to the people as a nation, as a people, he always expected that they would do things to get ready for his soon coming. Can I get an amen? Amen has nothing to do with today's message other than to point this out. We all have to be ready. That is what today's message is about, by the way. So I wanted to do just a little bit of background, if you will. Who knows what the word Pentecost means? 50. Very good. Who said that? You, you get a prize, man, a gold star. I, if I had one, I'd put it right on your forehead, cause, or I'd let Chris, never mind. You get a gold star. So 50. 50 days after Passover, they celebrated what is called the Feast of Weeks. And we're going to look at a few of these real brief. But here's what I want you to see. Everything that they did represented something that God was going to do through his son, Jesus Christ. We call it a shadow of things to come. And, and for me, what this shows me is God is amazing. 
He is absolutely the most creative being there is. He did this so that we could look back and go, this wasn't by chance. It was all built. First this piece, then this piece, then this piece, then this piece. Finally into the New Testament when Jesus comes, the Messiah, and everything else started getting laid on there. And guess what? We're not done yet. God's still doing things. He's building the church. He's preparing us for the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. And listen, when he comes back, guess what's going to happen? We're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. You and I, and I, his people, we're going to be mayors, we're going to be governors. If you serve him, if you're a saint today, you will be a part of his leadership team. Some of you are going, I don't think so. It's all right. When you're in your glorified body, you'll have everything you need. All right? Right now you might say that, but trust me, he'll make sure you have everything you need. But we have to be ready. Pentecost, seven weeks. And by the way, seven weeks is actually rounded up, so seven times seven is 49, which is actually it's 50 is what it's supposed to be, all right? You ever notice how, never, never mind, I'm not going to say it. If you wanted to look at this, Deuteronomy 16 lists these different feasts, but I wanted to start with the Passover. You know what that's all about, most of you? That's when the Lord, he had given Pharaoh so many chances to let his people go, but he wouldn't let them go. So after the 10th time, he's like, all right, dude, this is it. Your heart's hardened. I've had enough. So I'm going to send the angel of death in there and he's going to strike all your firstborn children. So what he said to the Jewish people was, he said, listen, I want you to get ready to go tomorrow. But tonight what I want you to do is I want you to sacrifice an unblemished lamb. Hello? Do we ever see or hear about anybody in the New Testament referred to as a lamb? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. And who's that talking about? Jesus Christ, God's Son. So here they're told, sacrifice the Lamb, and then you take the blood from that Lamb and you paint it over your doorposts. And when the angel of death comes over Egypt, he will see that and it will mark you as God's children. And he will bypass you. Pretty intense. Understand, again, God loved Pharaoh. God would have accepted it if Pharaoh had said, okay, I'll let him go without any further actions. But the man wouldn't do it. So God had to get extreme with him. You know, God will get extreme with you if you don't do the things he expects you to do. And that's what you're going to hear about today. This isn't one of those coming back to church warm and fuzzy messages. If you came here for that, you better get up now. Because this is a real message. As I have felt it on my heart, and it's been a burden this week, I believe God loves you so much that he will do anything to get you to turn from the ways that you've been living so that you can become one of his children, serving him in the way that he challenged you to do. He has called you to be one of his kids. And there's some strings attached. As much as we like to say, well, we're saved by grace. Yes, we are. You cannot earn your way into heaven. However, once you're born again, once you've said yes to Jesus and you've confessed your sins and he's washed you clean, at that point, you have to start doing the things God is expecting you to do. That's what we have the Bible for. It shows you all of this. So if you're, if you're not reading your Bibles, whether it's the electronic version or the paper, you need to start. You want to do things God's way? How are you going to know what to do if you're not reading the book? You still with me? Passover. Symbolic of Jesus, I believe. All right? So, Passover is made up of 
there are three feasts that follow it. Okay, the first one is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. How many know that leaven in the Bible usually symbolizes sin? Why? Because it starts decay. When you put it in your bread and it rises, that's the beginning of decay. It'll last a lot longer if it doesn't have the leaven in it. So the the leaven was a sign of sin in the people's lives. And, And still today, the Jewish people, just before Passover, they go in and they make sure there's no leaven in their house. They remove it if, if there is. And, and they also look for things that would trip them up. Sinful things. Wicked things. And they clean their house out. Something we all should do. And I'm asking you to do that today. That's where this message is going. I'm asking you to make sure your house is clean. So when we come together next week, folks, can you get excited When we come together next week, there's going to be unity in this church because you have prepared yourself. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. You ready to throw me under the bus? Feast of first fruits. The only reason I brought this out is because of the cool analogy. Today, the Jewish people don't really celebrate this one. But I wanted to say that Passover really encompasses all three of these now. So Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits are all lumped together. But on the, on the day of Passover, this is what they did. They took a marked sheaf of grain, which was the first fruit of their harvest. Again, who was the first fruit in the New Testament? Jesus. So there's so many symbolic gestures here, if you really follow along. And then they, they wrapped up this thing, and, and I should have had a picture up for you, but You know, you've got these stalks. You know how they do? They wrap it in the middle so it stands on its own. And they leave it out in the field overnight. I'm thinking, wow. Three days this event went on. Huh. What else happened in three days? Crucifixion. What was Jesus hung on? A cross for the first day. Out in the open, just like they did here, all right? You still, still going with me here? The second day, the first day of unleavened bread, the sheep was cut and prepared for the offering for the next day. To me, this represents the fight over death. Jesus was in Gehenna. He was fighting for the keys to death, taking them away from Satan. He got the victory, folks over sin, and over death. But he went into battle for us. And that's what this represents, in my opinion. On the third day, the priest took it and he waved the sheaf before the Lord. And I'm thinking, what did God do? He waved his son Jesus in front of 500 people saw him over the next 40 days. What was he doing? Saying, hey, guess what? (laughs) This is my son, and he did what I asked him to do. And because of that, you, you have hope. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God we serve. After the day of the first fruits, you begin counting toward the Feast of Weeks, which I already identified that as seven times seven. That's why they call it weeks. Or weeks. Feast of Weeks. Here, people present an offering of the new grain in the summer. Here's the other part. It's connected to when God gave Moses the Ten Commands. Why is that important? God doesn't do anything by chance. At least I don't feel he does. Everything is orchestrated. If you're looking for it, you'll see it. Pentecost falls on the Feast of Weeks, the day in the Old Testament where God gave the people the law. What does the Holy Spirit do? Shows us the law. Helps us to obey it. And we're going to get into that. By the way, this is a series. 
I'm going to get into so much more about the Holy Spirit, but I, I just want you to understand today that none of this is by chance. The Bible is chock full of God's design, His plan from creation all the way to the new creation that we're going to see someday soon. God has His hand in it. He's not one of those gods that sets everything in order, as some say, and then He just goes on vacation. He's continually working on yours and my behalf. That's why the Holy Spirit is here today. Jesus said, I am going to heaven where I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he going to do there? Sit there and sip tea all day? No, he said, I'm going to be praying for you. Why do we need prayer? Pastor Barb hit on it today. We're a mess, and we need God. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to get hold of us and to help lead us in the righteous path. Can I get a good amen? amen. Hallelujah. All right. I had a couple other things here. When Jesus identified the law, the Jewish people thought they could keep it. But he called them on a few things. What he said was, he said, listen, it isn't the letter of the law like you Pharisees think it is. It's the spirit. It's what goes on in here that's important to God. Let me give an example. Jesus, when he was talking to one of the Pharisees, he said, listen, you say that a man commits adultery when he divorces someone. But I say he commits adultery when he looks at another woman with lustful eyes. Do you see the difference? The one committed an act that broke the law. The other broke the law in his heart. Jesus is saying God's moral code is so much bigger than ours. And for you and me to, to live with him, to serve him, to love him, we need his help. We can't do it on our own. How many would say human beings are broken? I hope you agree out there. Human beings are broken. We need God's help. And that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. Why did God send his Spirit? To help us righteously operate our command centers, which is our heart, our mind, and our will. How many have control? I hope you do today. If you watch the news the last few days, what have you seen? People whose command centers they're not in control of. All right? And, and I'm not getting into the political side of this. I'm not saying that what they're protesting isn't right because they should be protesting. When somebody's life is taken, when a man or a woman's life is taken, and it shouldn't have been, somebody better step up and say, hey, enough is enough. But we also know that there's a limit to how far you should go. And if the person's command center, if they're not in control of it, then it can lead to disastrous consequences. That's right. She got excited. Assuming that's a... Without the Holy Spirit, is it, it is impossible to obey the Lord. Jesus spoke about this, the need for the Holy Spirit, in John chapter 16. And I've got this up behind me. I, I picked the ESV for this. By the way, I jump around with different translations. I hope that's all right, but sometimes I, I, as I read them, I see it a little clearer in one version versus the other. So anyway, nevertheless, he said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now he's talking to his disciples. It is to their advantage that he goes away. They're like, no, we don't want you to go, Lord. But he said, I have to, for I do not go. if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is our helper. All right, get that. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus was saying, look, 
soon as I leave, as soon as I go to heaven, I'm going to send this third person of the Trinity that we call the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him your helper, your advocate, your counselor. And when he comes, verse 8, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Did you catch that last part? Sin, righteousness, judgment. In a lot of churches, you will not hear these three terms mentioned because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Right, Brother Ron? You're a preacher, man. You're a preacher of righteousness. You know what I'm talking about. You don't hear this in a lot of churches. And because of that, people are getting this warm and fuzzy message, and it's not doing anything for them. They're not changing on the inside where it's important. They put on a good charade. They, they wear the right clothes. They walk the right way. But their hearts are not changed they look just like the heathen, the unchurched. Shouldn't be so in the church. The Holy Spirit came to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we're going to talk about all of these here as I move along. I wanted to go back briefly to the Old Testament because it isn't just the New Testament that talks about the Holy Spirit. Here's another beautiful part of God. He prophesied about these things hundreds, if not thousands of years before they happened. Everything that God said would happen either has happened or it's going to happen. God is never wrong, contrary to what some say about the Bible, about God himself. Ezekiel 36, I wanted to read this. This is from the NLT. Verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. What's an idol? Anything that has control over you. Pick up your phone. Idol. If you can't leave that thing alone for a few hours... It's a God to you. I think all of us need to practice leaving that thing somewhere and just walking away. This morning I'm trying to worship and my, I've, got, I've got it on my wrist. <laughs> my idol. And I've got somebody texting me about how it sounded out there. Bless you, brother. I'm not trying to call you out. I won't mention your name. We appreciate your input. But I'm just saying... I felt like, take the thing off. How are you going to worship the Lord when you keep looking at your wrist? I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I had to, again, not, not trying to hurt you, brother. I had to ignore you <laughs> so I could worship God. The reason we came today. Your phone can be an idol. So many things can be an idol. Your TV. You know, we say that the TV babysits our children. Well, I want to tell you something. For most of you, he babysits you. Good preaching. It's truth. Come on. You know what I'm saying is true. Hallelujah. I will put, this is a part I want you to get, verse 26. I will give you a new heart. Hallelujah. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. This is what God does for us because he loves us. And then verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You see, pr prior to Jesus, this couldn't happen. These people, the Jewish people, they tried to honor the Lord. They tried to live up to the Ten Commandments. They tried not to break any of them, but it was near impossible. And then there was that moral code thing that even as you think in your heart, if you think a brother's stupid, if you call him su such, you have committed murder in your heart. 
Pretty serious stuff. God isn't playing around with sin. I know you came in here today hoping that you'd hear something fun. We'll, we'll get to that. We will, if you stick with us long enough. But this week, this is the preparation week. That's what Passover was all about. It was preparation for what was to come. For us. When we partake of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, what we're saying is, Lord, I want to be prepared. For what? For this. For Jesus coming into you. All right, this is where it it gets kind of fun. Sure. Another quote, Joel 2, 28, 29. I'm just changing up all over today. TNIV. And afterward, he said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, here's something I want you to get. The Jewish people did not believe that women should participate in ministry. The Jewish people did not feel non-Jews should participate in these celebrations to worship and honor God. Look at what God's doing here. He's changing the rule book. He's saying, look, it has, I'm no respecter of people. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, you're all welcome in my kingdom. I'm calling all of you, not just a few of you. Every nation, every person on this planet should have an opportunity. God looks at all of us as equal. That's the difference here. You have to catch this. Because prior to this, even Jesus did this. He messed messed with the Pharisees. Because they're like, what? What are you doing working on the Sabbath, Jesus? He says, really? You call this work? (laughs) I'm healing somebody. I'm doing God's work, something you ought to think about doing. My paraphrase, of course. What I want you to see here, Joel 2, 28, 29, it says, the Spirit, Spirit was poured out afterward. So what does that mean? There was something before. There was something after what? Get it? I want to go back. Joel 2, 12 through 14. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And he's talking about what? The R word, repenting. He's challenging these people, look, I know you're hurting on the inside. I know you're broken. But if you will come to me with a contrite heart, a broken heart, if you will humble yourself, this is what I'm going to do. Rend your heart, verse 13, and not your garments. In the Old Testament, when, when people were sad, they'd go out in the middle of the dirt and they'd put on sackcloth and they'd rip it, symbolic of how they were broken. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not good enough anymore. God was saying, I'm sorry, the Father was saying, no, that's not good enough anymore. I don't want the ripped garments. I want you to be broken. I want your heart to be broken. Hallelujah. I want people, when they repent, I want it to be a true sign of their despair and their grief. You know what? We should be broken about our sin. Because what it means is you cannot, you cannot go to heaven if you've got sin in your life. You can't. There are scads of scriptures that talk about this. 
There are preachers out there today who are trying to suggest otherwise, and I want you to say, I just want you to know this today, they are liars. If you think you're going to get into heaven as a sinner, you are wrong. Ain't going to happen. Wow. The after means to repent. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Verse 14, who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. (laughs) Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. You want God's blessing? Repent. You want good things in this life? Go after the Lord. Do you want the Holy Spirit in everything that he brings us? Then you must clean house. Rend your heart. Show God that you mean business and stop going back to the things that break God's heart. Repentance is what always precedes the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Say this with me. Holy Spirit. You at home, say this with me. Holy Spirit. Put emphasis on that first word. Holy Spirit. Is God making a suggestion here? How holy is God? I love this in Revelation 4, 8. I don't necessarily understand everything about it, but it says each of the four living creatures had six wings, and this is talking about heaven, of course, and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. That is a picture right there. Imagine a bird with eyes underneath its wings. I see you. What are these creatures doing? Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, say it with me, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. How holy is God? All day long. These beautiful creatures confess this over and over and over. Day and night. Say this with me again. God is holy. One more time. God is holy. You at home, God is holy. Pastor Norm, I think I get it. God's holy. I hope so. Because this is a matter of life and death right here. For too long, the church has been playing church, and we have ignored the requirements of the law. We have, in our hearts, said, you know what, I'm saved by grace. I can just go out and live like I'm going to hell. That is not the scripture that I read. And I'm here today to try to help you to see this. We must all get this if we're to live compatibly with the Holy Spirit. If you really want, listen, you got a choice here. You can go out here, go out of here today. You can live any way you want to live. You can live as an atheist, an agnostic. You can ignore God. You can say he doesn't exist. Or, the other side of it, you can say yes to the Lord. You can say, yes, I want all you have for me. Holy Spirit, fill me. But to do that, you've got to be compatible. The Jews, the Gentiles, all people have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And because of that, there's no way for a human being to get to God. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says... 
But just as he, God, who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. It can't get any clearer than this. Our loving Heavenly Father invites us to have a relationship with Him. He wants us to love Him, to live for Him, and to look for His soon coming. And the Holy Spirit helps us with this. You and I have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. There was only one man who was fit to go to heaven as a man, and that was, of course, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He was without blemish, without spot, without sin. The rest of us, we're all lumped together. Sinner. And we can't get to heaven on our own. Enter God, the Holy Spirit. He came to empower us. And there's so much to this, I'm not getting into all of it this week. First, you must become born again. You must accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. You must confess your sins and allow him to cleanse you of your unrighteousness. If you'll do that, step one, then that prepares you, that cleans house, if you will, that gets you ready to house the Holy Spirit, God in you. Think about this just for a moment. June, what does it mean to have God living in you? It's kind of scary, isn't it? I feel that way myself, sister. I really do. Because I know how I lived last week. You know, there were days last week when I thought some horrible things. Forgive me, Lord. I don't do it on purpose. And then I hear that voice saying, Norm, really? Who is that? The Holy Spirit. He will show us when we've strayed too far. He will lead us back to that straight and narrow path. Narrow is the path that leads to heaven, but wide is... I'm saying that wrong again. It was close. Narrow is the gate that leads to heaven, but wide is the path that leads to destruction. Why does that matter? Because a lot of people are under the delusion that you can go to heaven with sin in your life. Ain't happening. Not from what I read. Judgment is coming. Here's the driving point of today's message. But first, let me just ask you this. Do you agree with me that God the Father is holy? Do you agree with me that God the Son is holy? Do you agree with me that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is holy? If your answer was yes, 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 what does that mean for us? Hypothetically speaking, all right, can we pollute our bodies by repeatedly sinning and expect the Holy Spirit to live in us. Mic drop. I won't, but. Can we pollute our bodies by repeatedly sinning and expect the Holy Spirit to live in us? I said this earlier, some say we're saved by grace, and I agree we are. But that doesn't mean God overlooks our sins. What he overlooks is what is put under the blood of Christ. But from that point forward, we're supposed to begin living for him, looking like him, being led by God's Holy Spirit. You see, if, if we 
could live in our sin and God would accept us into heaven, then Jesus wouldn't have had to have come to die for you and me. God would have had to have sent Jesus to pay for your sins and mine if it didn't matter. Do you, do you get this? Do you see the point I'm trying to make? It matters. Sin matters. It matters to God. Romans 2, 6, and 8, the NLT says, God, he, will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. See, he's talking about a relationship with you. These are God's people. They've accepted Christ. They're doing what they're supposed to do, and they want more. Then the the next part of it. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who, what? Live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness or sinfulness or however you want to word that. I don't know where you fall. I don't follow you people around. I know about my own life, though. And I know I need God. I need the Holy Spirit. And hear this part, and this is what you will not hear in most churches today. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Because God is love. That means he extends his grace to you. He gives you a way out. He says, look, buy into this. Give your hearts and lives to Jesus. Let him cleanse you of all your unrighteousness and become a new person, a new creation, if you will. God already made a way because he loves us. He doesn't want us to die in our sins. We choose whether to do that or not. But because he is just, Everyone will have to give an account of how they live their lives. I just say it again. If God could tolerate sin, then Jesus would not have had to die for us. But God cannot and he will not. I hope some of you are really feeling unnerved right now because you should be. Our salvation is conditional. We're saved by grace unto salvation but we cannot earn our way into heaven. But once saved, that's when we have that obligation to God to begin living for Him. Too many modern Christians have ignored this obligation. Once saved, the Bible says we are to be separated from sin for His service. Our lives are to become a praise to Him. The way we live our life, God should look down and go, hey, how cool is that? Brian, how cool is that? Look at how he's living his life for me. And he should be excited about how you're living your life, right? We shouldn't be like that other son who you're you're ashamed that he's even yours. You don't even want to see him anymore because every time he comes in the house, he's trouble. That's right. (laughs) If anyone keeps on willfully sinning after receiving forgiveness, what's left for that person's sins? This is a tough passage right here. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, what does it say? How many get excited about that? Verse 27, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So what it's saying is, if this is you, you are an enemy of God. You can't be both. You are either for him or you're against him. And your life should be evident which side of the fence you're on. 
If this is you, be afraid. Be very afraid. Judgment is coming. If you've confessed Jesus as Lord but continue to live a sinful life, you will be judged. God is not our sugar daddy. We don't go to him just when we need things. God is our loving heavenly father and he wants that kind of relationship with us. He wants us to want to be with him. He wants us to want to please him with the way that we live and worship him and live our lives for our families and our friends and our neighbors. He made a way through his son to abolish your sins once and for all and to maintain right living once you're filled with his Holy Spirit. You see, Pentecost, it's all about loving him, living for him, and looking for his soon return. That's what it means to be a Christian. All of us should have our eyes focused on Jesus and what's to come, the kingdom of God. If you read Revelation chapters 20, 21, and 22, it's a beautiful picture of what's to come. It's a picture of heaven, the new heaven that's going to come down. The new earth. God is preparing this for you and me. This is going to come after the thousand-year reign. We've got so much to look forward to. I've said this before. This life is but a sprinkling of time, a few grains of sand as far as eternity goes. And if you live for the Lord today, you will have eternal life where you will live with him forever and ever and ever. And all these things that God has been creating for us, building for us, designing for us, we're going to get to enjoy forever. I'm excited about that. But what this means is we cannot continue living a sinful lifestyle and expect that the Holy Spirit is going to live in us. We cannot. Are you with me? Ooh. I heard about 20% of you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Okay. How about you? I hope you're getting this. As I understand this whole thing, without the Holy Spirit, it's going to be very difficult for us to make it to heaven. That's why Jesus said, I'm sending you the helper. Wait for him. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he is the one who will empower us to live for him. We need him so desperately. I'm going to get into this more next week. Today, I want you to prepare, to be prepared for whatever God's going to do next. I want you to make sure that your heart is right with him. Ask yourself, am I holy as he is holy? Will you say that with me? Am I holy as he is holy? Will you make that, folks at home, will you make that your homework this week? Am I holy as he is holy? There's only one or there are two answers. <laughs> yes or no. It's not, well, maybe. There's no in between, right? It's either yes or no. And if you say no, why? What, what's going on in your life that shouldn't be there? What, why do you say that? Why aren't you holy? Is it because you're, there's a sin in your life, you just keep going back and back and back and back and digging it up again and again? Or are you just unwilling to serve him? Do you want to be with him forever? You've heard me say this before. Why would you want to live with God forever when you don't want to live with him today? God's looking for people 
who are hungry and thirsty for his righteousness. The disciples were hungry for more. They went into the upper room, Acts 2. I'm going to get into that next week. They wanted more of God. They had been prepared. They were born again. Jesus breathes his spirit into them. And then they were filled in Acts 2, 1 through 4. But there was a process. They had to be prepared. I'm asking you, get prepared. If you really want God, get prepared. If you're already born again and you feel like you're holy as he is holy, praise God. Pray for the rest of these folks here today. Pray for me. Pray for those in our online community. We need, our, we need the prayers. But if you're one of those who would say, Pastor Norm, I, you know what? I remember a time that I said yes to Jesus, but I, man, I've gone back. And like a dog goes back to its vomit, I have been going back, digging up that, the sinful life. Hear this part. God's been patient with you. But he wants you to know he is about to judge the world and everyone in it including you. So make a decision soon, brother, sister, repent. The judge is coming soon. Repent. Repent. Would you stand with me? To repent means to turn 180 degrees from the direction you're going now. So you have been going away from God, so what repentance does is it redirects you back to God. Your, your heavenly Father loves you. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son to take your place on the cross. Now it's your turn. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to walk out of here today again, just like you did when you came in? Are you going to make a change in your life? Are you going to say, you know what, enough of this nonsense. I want to know that I'm ready to go to heaven. And after I know, I want to begin serving him with all my heart and life and soul and body. There's a lot of stuff out there today that tries to distract us, that tries to turn us in other directions. And, and I can just think of a few. Alcohol and drugs. My Lord, our community is filled with people who are addicted. Pornography. Men and women. Boys and girls. It's available. You can look at it anywhere. You have to fight this. That's sin. Unadulterated sin. Don't think, don't make excuses. Well, you know what? God will be all right with us this week. I'll get better next week. No! Get right with Him now. Repent. Rent your, rend your heart. Tear it. Say, God, forgive me. I know I'm not living for you. I need you. Jesus, I need the blood of Christ to wash me clean, to cleanse me of my unrighteousness, my sinfulness, the wickedness that's in me. God, help me. Help me to live for you, to obey your laws and your commands, to honor you with my life as a living sacrifice. That's what we're called to do. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're out in live stream land, I would ask the same of you. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. What's he saying to you? Here's what I don't think he's saying. He's not saying, I'm done with you. That's the devil. That's what he'll tell you. He doesn't convict you. He condemns you. You'll never be right with God. But Jesus came along and he said, oh, contraire, if you will let me, if you'll become one of my kids, I will make you born again. You'll be different. The old man will no longer 
be as effective as he has been, the new man, the new creation is going to come forth and I'm going to give you the power that you need to stay right with me. Not just to get right with me, but to stay right with me. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Between you and the Lord, if, if you're here today, you say, that's me. I need to make some changes in my life. I want you to lift your hand up toward me so I can see it real quick. Yep, hands up. All over the room. Thank you. You can put them down. God knows you, all right? Listen, God knows everything about you, every detail about you. And here's the beauty. He wants you to be one of his kids forever. And this is a new day for you. The Holy Spirit's saying, you're mine. If you'll do this, you're mine, and I'm yours. It's a two-way street. He's going to pour himself into you in ways you never dreamt possible. But this is the beginning. So I want you to say this with me. And if you're out there and you just raised your hand as well, I want you to pray this prayer with me, all of us together, if you would. Heavenly Father, today, Pentecost Sunday, 2020, I want to make this clear. This isn't just an emotional plea. This is my heart. Torn before God. I see my wickedness. The life I've been living. And I know, I know it isn't holy. So today, I confess my sins to you, Lord God. Forgive me and wash them away and make me a new person. In that place, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me, to guide me, to bless me, to love me, I give my life to you. I love you. I want to live for you. And Jesus, I can't wait till you come back. I'm looking for you. But until then, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Give the Lord a big hand today. Listen, if you would sit down, I, I know it's so hard to end a service like this. I know everybody wants to greet each other, but again, just to honor what we've been asked to do, the ushers are going to release you from the back, and we would ask that you uh, exit when they do, orderly, and just so if anybody asks, we can say, hey, we did it, we did it the best we could. Hopefully, it's not going to be long and, and we'll be able to come together and jump on each other, well, you know, in a nice way. But until then, we appreciate your patience. I know today's message wasn't easy, but this is a builder. This is a builder. Go out of here living like this today. I purpose in my heart to do the same so that when we come back next Sunday, do this for me. Before you come next Sunday, make sure you're ready for all that God has for you, because we're going to see some awesome things. It's coming. Look at your neighbor and say, it's coming. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you again for every blessing that comes from heaven. Lord, I trust that all those who prayed this prayer today, whether here or on live stream, that you, Lord, have sealed them with the promise of your Holy Spirit. Keep us safe from the enemy. Help us to let our light shine. Lord, help us to love you. Help us to live for you. And help us to look for you. We commit this body of people into your hands. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,
God bless you. Again, the ushers will release you. Thank you.